2: Hey Grinders, welcome to the Pro Football Focus Show here on Road Grinders. I know know it's not Britt, I'm not Britt, I'm Jordan Cooper. Hey Blenderhead, your buddy uh, from the the Sweat Show. uh, Instead of doing seven hours on Sunday, they had me come on here to do an extra hour because apparently Britt has hemorrhoids. (laughs) <laughs> he said that we could say it. It feels so, like a joke. <laughs> it feels like a joke. I think this is not the first time that he's called out. He's hasn't called out sick. He's called out with hemorrhoids.
3: Hey, maybe you just need a night off.
2: Well, as always, at least you get at least you get the, you get the, the fantasy football guy from uh, from Pro Football Focus all the stats that you could possibly pour over that I may may or may not. Necessarily look at uh, so <laughs> so so. I hope you could school me. Like I know more about DFS than I know about actual football. So maybe you could help me this week, week eight in the NFL for this slate coming up. And if you if you're not playing uh, 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 that much volume, make sure you get one entry in on Fanduel because uh, RG, we're running the. Single entry series. It's six weeks worth of contests. I mean, it's, uh, various entry fee tiers. Six finalists at the end get to go to the WFFC party in Puerto Rico. You don't get an entry into the big live final, but you do get an entry into your own prize pool there. So you get to go to, you get to go to Puerto Rico, get to vacation with, with all, all the top names in DFS and watch them sweat the games while you sweat your own games. So, uh, so go to FanDuel for that and, uh, Daniel, uh, coming from this past week, I know this past week in DFS, uh, a lot of the chalk bust, you know, a lot lot of Matt Ryan, we had that game going on. Is is there anything specifically that we should take out from last week's games that, that would help us moving forward?
3: I sent a, I sent a tweet to Brit in the middle of Sunday's game to just said, Hey, on this week's show, I'm just going to scream for 45 minutes because Sunday was stupid. I was on full tilt Sunday. I didn't even play the late, late afternoon slates because the games just had me so messed up. But, uh, yeah, every weekend on PFF, I write my what we learned in the week piece. And two of the cool ones I thought this week, um, I think we've learned that, that Jack- Jacksonville doesn't have a wide receiver one and a wide receiver two. They have a one and one A. DJ Chark and DJ Chark and Didi Westbrook are going to be going back and forth for the target lead each week, and I don't think uh, having being overweight on either one either one of those guys is going to be a good play week to week basis. I like Didi Westbrook this week as a slot against the uh, the Jets, so I think I think that that situation is an easy one to monitor. And then uh, Jacoby Brissett, I'm not sure how much we can take away from it, but I do think it is fascinating that he's actually leading the league in touchdown passes per game right now. I don't think a lot of people realize how good he's doing.
2: Is it is it more due to the fact that the Colts are are running the ball less? Is it max inefficiency? I mean, we typically think of the Colts as someone uh, as a team that wants to run the ball more. Uh, did you get anything anything out of uh, their, their play calling that would suggest why this is happening? Well, they did throw it a little more in,
3: uh, in week in week seven. In week six, they ran the ball, or week five. Whatever the week was, they beat the Chiefs. They run the ball down their throat a whole bunch. So they've been moving around a lot. I think part of it is Brissett was underrated. Part of it is they have the best coaching staff, and they will – not you know, the best coaching staff, one of the best coaching staffs, and they w- they're they going to change their game plan a lot each week. I think there's little chance Brissett's going to lead the league in touchdown passes per game at the end of the year, but I think he's a big threat to have it in any given week if the game sets up right for it. So I think he's always a guy to have a little bit of taste of every week.
2: Well, in addition to that, are, should we consider Zach Pascal to be the uh, wide receiver two there? Absolutely. Based on his performance?
3: I mean, we'll see if when Paris Campbell comes back healthy, if he can break into it. But until something changes, yeah. My only problem with that is I wonder, you know, between Hilton and the tight ends and everything, if there's going to be enough for Pascal to eat each week. But yes, I think he's the clear number two receiver in that offense.
2: And then you, you mentioned uh, the the Jaguars. Do you think with the uh, DD Westbrook and shark kind of sharing the target share that uh, from a week to week basis, what would you, what would you target on If you had to choose, if they were the same price, who would you play? Because I think in terms of GPPs, that shark would have more upside, but do you think that Westbrook will get more red zone targets? Uh, I think you're probably right.
3: Shark has a little bit more more upside for the tournaments, just because he's going to have more of the deep plays, and Westbrook's going to be a death by a thousand paper cuts kind of guy. But I think if they're the same price each week, it's going to come a lot down to the matchup. Some teams are better against the slot, some are worse. Um, I would say right now, I would have you know, absolutely everything else being equal, I'd probably go sixty percent shark, forty percent Westbrook in a given
2: week. Right, but pretty much, I mean, until uh, Fournette comes up to like nine k on DraftKings, we're pretty much playing him as the main target on that.
3: Yeah, absolutely. He's he's going to start scoring these touchdowns, and his scores are going to go off.
2: Well, coming up this week, we got We got a big week on on Sunday, but we first have that uh, that showdown slate on oh, Thursday. <laughs> and uh, I, I know I know these island games are always horrible, and I we get we get it's always like the Dolphins and the Jets or the Reds. And now we get the Redskins. Great. Uh, with the Vikings with the and out uh, for this game, do you think that the, the more of the options, uh, although they're more expensive, are on the Vikings side of this game? Because like you can't like you can't stack them with the prices that we have on this showdown. Uh, so would you be more inclined? I know they priced up all of BC Johnson a little bit in expectation of this, but do you think that he's going to warrant? Uh, do you think the Diggs is just going to walk away With the target share Or do you think like Treadwell Or even like running two tight end sets With Irv Smith and Rudolph Like wh- where do you think Most of the production is going to go
3: if, if I had to pick something in the passing game, I think the two tight end is what you're talking about there. The, the Irv Smith, Kyle Rudolph, we saw Rudolph have almost as much production in week seven as he did the whole rest of the season combined before that because Thielen went out. He didn't have anything before Thielen left, and then he came on. Um, but honestly, I think it's going to be a Dalvin Cook game. I think they're just going to be running the ball down Washington's throat, and just we're going to go back to talking about if Kirk Cousins is going to throw the ball much after this
2: game. Well, on the Redskins side, it's a matter of, like, picking out who could possibly do well. I mean, (laughs) in the passing game, I mean, you got McLaurin there. But when we have uh, we have Thompson out, AP is questionable. Like, I mean, I don't – I mean, they're they're significant underdogs. So, like, I don't even know – like, are we – is Wendell Smallwood the play? I mean, at at 1,800 on DraftKings, like, is he going to even not only get the passing work, is he going to get the running work as well? When they Uh do manage to run.
3: I'm going to have a taste of him in this game, which just feels so dirty to say, but the game script is absolutely going to favor the pass, and he's going to be the pass catching back. He might be the the, the ball carrier if Peterson's hurt, but there's going to be enough of a, of a workload there for him to do something. And then if we're talking about receivers, I like Paul Richardson a little bit just because he's going to be cheaper than McLaren and he runs off the right side more, and the Vikings have allowed the uh, sixth most fantasy points per game to right-side receivers. So I, I think Richardson is going to be a nice little pivot for McLaren and then Smallwood. Yeah, okay.
2: Feels so dirty to say, but I'm interested in the idea. But in this player pool, like if AP is out, like like AP is 5600 on DraftKings, then we have Wendell Smallwood at 1800. Now, if if AP's out, like the only other running back that's in the pool, and literally I've never heard of this guy until looking at his name, like who's Craig Reynolds? (laughs)
3: <laughs> um i can tell you about craig reynolds that he plays football and he's probably a running back
2: okay so he's running back <laughs> eligible i mean because like Geis isn't there so it's like even if you wanted to choose another running back like if ap's out like are they just going to run out with no running back so i think in 1800 he ends up being the chalk
3: <laughs> i hope reynolds has 140 yards and two scores i just hope that happens <laughs>
2: so so essentially uh for for the showdown slate we should be more inclined to lean towards the the Vikings running game uh and then try to maybe pick out some one of these maybe cheap guys on the Vikings i mean it almost feels like with dalvin cook at 13000 if you're not going to play cousins at 12000 like it kind of seems weird that in a showdown slate you may want to play two vikings and four redskins
3: I I could see that or I could see going with like a a Cook Rudolph defense stack and then just taking the cheapest guys elsewhere hoping it works out. I don't think there's a good good lineup construction this week. It's just it's such a weird game that it's gonna be hard to have one approach that's gonna gonna work.
2: Haven't you learned in Showdown that like the Vikings' defense is sixty eight hundred, and it seems like it's so overpriced? But the Patriots were seventy two hundred, and they were the right. winning captains. So maybe yeah. we continue with ESD captains.
3: I, I have no problem with that this week.
2: Okay, now taking a look at uh, at, the, at the lines, at the betting lines. I admit that yeah. that I'm I'm not a sports better, although I you know obviously understand sports betting. Course. Uh, are, are there any lines that you see uh, for, for your bets this week that uh, maybe look ha- have some value to it, uh, especially earlier in the week? Yeah. Well, for,
3: for people who want to get in on this, we've got the the green line product over at PFF. Subscribers can get in there and look at all our our bet suggestions, our over unders, all this stuff. It's a huge resource. I use it all the time. But uh, this week, my, a couple ones I really like. I like Indianapolis minus six and a half over over Denver, which. I always have to say it when I pick Indianapolis. I'm a diehard Colts fan, so there's always the chance that I have a bias that I'm just not seeing. But they're they're wildly better than the Broncos. We saw the Broncos lay an absolute egg against the Chiefs last week. I just I don't see how they can keep up with this Colts team. And then I, this Jacksonville game, we were just talking about the Westbrook-Chark mix. I like Fournette, so I like the Jacksonville and uh, New York to go over 41, and Jacksonville to cover a minus minus four and a half in that game.
2: Based on Darnold's performance, I don't know how – it's going to be 41 nothing against Jacksonville.
3: He can't be that bad again. I, I That game – I, I listen to some of my podcasts, and I listen I listened to a Monday one on Tuesday, so I are previewing the game. Listening to a game preview after the game has been played is one of the funniest things in the world. I highly recommend it to everybody because it's just, you know, oh, Sam Darnold's turned it on. We're going to see something from him now. Oh, no. It's hilarious. I recommend it heartily.
2: No, it's not hilarious. As a tout, I'm supposed to say that I love listening to it because I get everything right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's funny, too. <laughs> well, at least that's what I'm listening for. I'm listening for the two things I got right and disregarding the 18 things I got wrong.
3: Please don't listen to last week's show on that subject.
2: Well, one that thing is... I didn't get right last week uh, was, was was Matt Stafford and, and Marvin Jones. So I, I had a good week. But with the quarterback position on, uh, on Sunday... Uh, I mean, taking a look at, at at DraftKings. I mean, we got the high high end is Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Jared Goff coming off a a, a good game. And then on the bottom, uh, I mean, we Matt Ryan. We don't. Do we know the status of, of him? Is it going to be Ryan or Schaub? Are, is are we sure about that yet? I don't think we're sure. Last I
3: heard, Ryan's probably going to give it a go. Uh, I can't imagine he's going to be one hundred percent, but I, I and. Because of that, I just can't imagine using any any of the uh, the main Falcons' assets. Maybe Austin Hooper, but I
2: do think we're going to see him out there. Okay, how about how about the whole Breeze Bridgewater situation? I, you really think Breeze comes back for this game?
3: I just don't know why they would. They have their bye next week. Give him two more weeks. Bridgewater's played really well. He's on P- uh, PFF grading. He's the number four graded quarterback over the last month. He's fine. Let him let him beat the Cardinals because you almost for sure know they're going to and give Breeze the extra bye and then come back and he can be Breeze down the stretch. He keeps saying he wants to play, but I just I don't know why you'd do that.
2: You, you know what's going to happen since they're playing the Cardinals? They pull a David Johnson. Breeze comes in for one oh, snap, God. and then Bridgewater plays the rest <laughs> of the game.
3: Oh, and then somebody has to go on a rant on Monday. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so so looking at uh, the stud quarterbacks, I mean, uh, who, who stands out the most to you that, ha- that has a good matchup this week?
3: A uh, guy you mentioned just a minute ago, Matt Stafford. I love him this week. Uh, Giants have allowed 20-plus PPR points to every quarterback they faced who wasn't a rookie. Kyler Murray and uh, Dwayne Haskins they held in check. Dwayne Haskins is not even an NFL quarterback right now. But, you know, so Murray's the only guy they've actually held in check who should have done anything. They have the fifth-worst coverage grade uh, at uh, 43.1. And with Kerryon Johnson out, yeah, Ty Johnson and J.D. McKissick are there. But you just, you've got to think they're going to be throwing the ball a lot in this game. So I, I feel like Stafford, the only issue there is you're not sure who to stack him with because Jones had the good game. There's Galladay and there's Amendola. But I feel like Stafford's set for a huge game here.
2: Well, uh, on the top end between uh, the two highest priced uh, quarterbacks, Wilson and Watson. Now, for, for for like DraftKings, for for DFS, even FanDuel, like I tend to lean, especially in cash games, towards running back, uh, the quarterbacks that actually like have some rushing yards or rushing ability to it. Uh, do you think that this is the type of game that Wilson or Watson uh, will? put up rushing yards will they need to rush because i take a look at the wilson playing the falcons and see high efficiency but maybe not as many passing yards because i know the falcons are bad in the secondary but they may not need to pass as much and uh, and right. watson the raiders the raiders secondary is horrible so i may not see what need for watson to rush that much but, I mean, yeah. I think they're both going to be efficient.
3: Yeah, there's, there's, it's hard to imagine anyway. they won't both be efficient. And I, I'm going to have a taste of both of them in my lineups. Uh, we just saw what Aaron Rodgers did to, to Oakland, and you don't even need an argument to use somebody against Atlanta. So these are two of the best possible matchups, two of the best possible quarterbacks. Yes, it's possible they get ahead so far, especially Seattle, because they like to run so much. But I think you, you're going to have a taste of both these guys and hope they get a few more yards than we're expecting.
2: Well, I have questions about, about two – Quarterbacks in particular, because I think they fit that mold. Also, a little bit lower down in the price. Uh, the first one is uh, Josh Allen. Now, the the Eagles are notoriously known for being what a what a pass funnel, and yeah. I know that that Allen doesn't. I mean, he's he's good rushing, like scrambling wise. They may not design running plays to him, but do you think because the the Bills may have a tough time running the ball? that Allen has more upside because he will be passing more and possibly scrambling more.
3: I, I like his upside a little bit because of the John Brown connection. John Brown is going to absolutely feast in this game. He has he's won only two receivers of fifty yards every game this season. There's no reason to think that's going to stop now. And the Eagles are absolutely burnable deep, and they're actually good against the slot. So I think there's every reason to think that uh, that uh, Allen will throw the ball to Brown a lot. On the other hand, I don't see as much scrambling out of that. You know, we know they stop the run, but that includes stopping the running back, the quarterback running. So I, I, I don't. I'm not going to have a big taste
2: of Allen this week. Well, same could be said a little bit right down with Kyler Murray. It's a, it's the same situ- situation where he rushes the ball, but facing the Saints, who have like the the mismatch in the offensive line and defensive line in this game is is massive. It's so, ridiculous. Like, so so that's so I think this if Murray's going to end up having to pass more, possibly rush more. Do you think he has upside in the same way that I described about Josh Allen?
3: He, I think he could rush more. I just think you know, you want the rushing quarterbacks. You want the guy who can rush and throw it. And I'm just worried he's not going to be able to get a lot going in the in the passing game this week. We saw you know people like to look at straight points allowed against the position, and that can be informative, but it's not always going to tell you the whole story. With the Saints right now, I think they're they've allowed the sixth most points to quarterback so far, which looks bad, but. Through through week three, they've allowed thirty one point seven in position. Since then, they've allowed fourteen point four points per game to the position. So, yes, Murray may have to run for his life in this game, and he'll get he'll have a high floor because of that. But I just don't see a ceiling because of the way the Saints have been defending.
2: I love those cheap points. I anytime the quarterback rushes, it feels like I'm getting a freebie. <laughs> so in the value range, I mean, once we get past uh, down past uh, the six K range, who stands out uh, in in the low end? that has uh, either the ability to put up a, a good floor score for their price or even possibly a, a GPP winning score.
3: Yeah, well, my, we talked about one already. I like Bridgewater, assuming Breeze doesn't make the return. You know, we, we love the Arizona matchup. Even, even Peterson's return isn't going to scare us off that. And he, like I said, he's the number four graded quarterback over the last month. and. If Alvin Kamara plays, he's not going to be 100%. And if he doesn't, well, they don't have Alvin Kamara. Either way, I think it's going to be a huge Michael Thomas game and either Jared Cook or Josh Hill, depending on Cook's health. Another one I like a lot is Ryan Tannehill, which feels, again, feels dirty as heck to say. But they're going against Tampa Bay secondary. They're not going to be able to run the ball because nobody can run against Tampa Bay. And we'll see if he actually unlocked Corey Davis or not. But it's an obvious stacking option there. So I, I think Tannehill's an interesting option this week.
2: Yeah, I hear uh, a lot of a lot of chatter in the industry about about Tannehill. Uh, I think maybe amongst like the ca- more casual audience, he'll uh, be less popular. But but to me, I to me it screams of recency bias. Of like, if it wasn't for this past game, like if Tannehill put up a, a the normal Tannehill game, 163 yards, maybe he gets a touchdown, but has three interceptions, would be re- would we really be talking about this even against the Tampa Bay defense? Uh- you, I mean,
3: I, I would have talked about Mariota this week if he was still the starter. I, I think against the Tampa Bay defense, with you know, the, with only one running back who's probably not, I, I just, I think anybody against Tampa Bay is an interesting conversation. I see your point, and it's a good one, but I, I think you at least need to talk about anybody against Tampa Bay, and if he's playing well, he's playing well.
2: How about the quarterback on the other side of the game? I'm, 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 I play Jameis Winston way more than most people because I always look at him as someone that he can show up with 400 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, he can also show up with four interceptions and get benched. Yeah. Uh, so uh, if you think that Tannehill is going to – I mean, if you think that Tennessee is going to throw the ball more, obviously there's going to be more plays running the game and more potential for a shootout. So do you think with, I know we're not up to wide receiver, but the wide receivers on Tennessee side are, are fair, are fairly cheap. And the, the ones on Tampa Bay, like if you're going to play Godwin at 7,100, do you think it may be even better to, if you're going to stack that game instead of playing Tannehill, you play like Winston Godwin and then just play the like two receivers on the Tennessee side? Cause if you're going to tell me that both teams are going to pass the ball, I mean, this game, I mean, I know the total right now is at 45 uh, and a half but it seems like that that it, as long as there's no turnovers like that game could easily go over
3: yeah, uh, I think I think Jameis is a perfectly fine play that way. I'm I'm like you, I, you know. If we're talking real football, I want no part of Jameis Winston on my team. But fantasy, he's going to get you the numbers one or another. He, I literally come into the season, I ranked him as my number five quarterback for the season. Totally holding my nose, just saying, don't watch the games, you'll hate it. But at the end of the season, the numbers will be there. So I I don't have a problem with that play. I I, ha- I don't have his price in front of me, but I feel like he's a fair bit more expensive than Tannehill, which is why I was picking Tannehill 800 out. Eight
2: hundred difference. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's it's quarterback. You find the eight hundred out of your d- DST. You play the Chiefs <laughs> DST, and you be That's fine fair. with them. I
3: I have no problem going either way on that. Have a nice correlation stack in that game, one way or the other.
2: Okay, so out of all these quarterbacks uh, that that we have available, who do you think is going to be the uh, the biggest dud of the Big,
3: week? biggest dud? I already mentioned it, but I, I'm not having any shares of Kyler this week. Even with the running, even with the high floor, I just don't see him performing against that that Saints defense, that Saints D line. I think he's going to have a bad week.
2: I th- I think my my choice if I did to put the on the low end uh, is uh, Jimmy G. I can see that the too. Panthers pass rush. I think this is a great spot for the the Panthers defense, and not necessarily in real football, but in in fantasy scoring because uh, I don't necessarily see that game as being like high scoring. I mean, we'll talk we'll talk about the the most expensive player on the slate uh, in the running back section, but I think that uh, people will be scared to go to McCaffrey against the, the 49ers defense. But I think if this is the type of game where Jimmy G throws four interceptions, I think that gives Carolina a lot more opportunities to score.
3: Absolutely. I Jimmy G just hasn't shown any ceiling this season, even in the right matchup. So I, I'm with you on that. I, I find it hard to imagine using him against a good defense that's had a week to rest. It's it's he's a scary play.
2: Similar spot how about Andy Dalton against the Rams defense? If the Rams are going to put up points, the Bengals are going to have to throw. Uh, I mean, I tried. Hey, I tried doing that last week with them in Jacksonville and it didn't work out. Do you think it could possibly work out this week against the Rams? I mean, the thing is, if you take out about
3: a five-minute span of that game, it worked out fine. He had a fine game except for that one just absolute implosion of three was it three interceptions and five passes. So yeah, they're going to be throwing a lot. They have the receivers now. A, Auden Tate and Alex, Alex, Erickson came out of nowhere, but these guys have been producing and they're going to have to throw the ball. Joe Mixon can't do anything right now. So I have, I, I, I think Dalton's an interesting play. I hadn't really considered him that much to you say it, but that's that's an interesting call.
2: Cheap wide receivers with them. I always, I love, that's what I did with Stafford last week. Jones, Galladay, yep. both under six K uh, Galladay didn't get me much, but the combination of both of them, absolutely I'll take the four touchdowns. Okay. Yeah, like going that. to the running back position. I think the biggest question of the week, at least in DFS, I think it's season long you're playing him. It doesn't matter what the, the matchup is. Is that how willing are you to pay $9,200? The, the basically, he's the highest price on every site. Uh, willing to play uh, Christian McCaffrey against the Niners defense.
3: It's, it's always a question. If I'm playing, if, I, if I'm just sitting down saying I'm playing one lineup this week, I'm probably not using McCaffrey. I just don't think the, the the risk reward is there. But if you're one of those people's going out and playing, you know, a bunch of lineups having, you know, percent shares and all this stuff, you've got to have a few shares in McCaffrey. The, the upside is just so much there that if you if you want to get in there, you've got to have at least you know, 10, 20% feel for him. Uh, but yeah, you're right. With with the with the ridiculous price and the the uh, the opponent, he's three hundred more dollars number two back, but he's fourteen hundred dollars more than the, the third most expensive back. So you, if you're playing one lineup, I don't think he's worth the risk.
2: I got the t-shirt on. Defense doesn't matter. Defense. <laughs> I, I only take a look at McCaffrey, and I like for ninety two hundred. Maybe his ceiling is more limited. And I described the case in which the ceiling could be higher if uh, Jimmy G throws a bunch of picks and there's some turnovers and short fields for him to get touchdowns. But I think from from a, a share of the offense, is there? There's no other player in the league that has a bigger share of their team's offense than McCaffrey. So I think that, uh, barring like insane value, which we may end up getting on this slate anyway, uh, I think McCaffrey is a perfectly fine. Like floor option. I, I I always kind of feel safe that like I'm going to get like 18 to 20 points minimum from McCaffrey in my lineup, which may be fine for like double ups. I mean, not necessarily for right. GPPs. So like it's a matter of like are you willing to pay up there or are you willing to pay up at wide receiver? And a lot of times I just err towards the running back. That's fair. I have no problem with that strategy. It's It's a good one. Would you now between the two? I mean, I personally, I would rather play McCaffrey for three hundred more than Barkley because McCaffrey, I think, just has a bigger share of the offense than Barkley.
3: I'm torn on that. I've gone back and forth on that all week long. Uh you've got I mean, you've got to like Barkley in this matchup against the Lions team that's that's not stopped running backs this year. And you've you've got, I mean, the the Darius Slay on Sterling Shepard if he's back or Golden Tate. Evan Ingram's not been healthy. So yes, McCaffrey has the bigger share of the offense, and yes, he's he's been more reliable. But other than the game, he got hurt and Barkley's been fine. I I I I'm gonna be about
2: equally weighed on both those guys. Well, since if you're not going to play much McCaffrey, if you're not going to play much Barkley, who's the stud running back that you're going to slot in?
3: Uh, it's another one that feels dirty, but Todd Gurley. Uh, they're, they're, you know, they're huge favorites, 12-and-a-half-point favorites. Jared Goff has not traveled well, so there's a chance he doesn't throw it as well in London as he has been in, in Los Angeles. And Bengals have allowed the most points per game to running backs. They've allowed the most receiving to running backs. If Malcolm Brown's not back, they haven't used Darryl, Darryl Henderson that much. I think Gurley's an interesting bounce-back play this week.
2: Is it primarily because he's playing the, the the Bengals? Like, if this was a tougher matchup, would Gurley at seventy four hundred on DraftKings be more? Would be less of a play?
3: Less, but not none of a play. I, I, assuming he's healthy, and assuming Brown isn't, and assuming you know all the other things I said, yes, the matchup obviously helps. The, playing against the Bengals is kind of a cheat code for running backs. But even without that, I think Gurley's due for for a rebound.
2: So you'd rather play Gurley than four hundred more for Leonard Fournette.
3: I was, Fournette, that's I was no, oh, that's
2: Fournette's the one I was going to mention. No, that's Fournette's. Oh, oh, okay.
3: I, I have my list here, and girl, I just wrote Gurley first, but those are the two guys I'm going to mention. Fournette, you know, he he's he leads the league in touches by ten this year. So yes, McCaffrey McCaffrey is the second, and he has his bye. So, but yes, those two guys are getting the the giant shares of their offenses. So yes, Gurley and Fournette are the two guys I'm spending up the most on this week.
2: I think Gurley may be a better GPP play because I still think. That people i mean at seventy four hundred especially i I'd hey I' had zero of them at sixty four hundred last week, so now looking at seventy four hundred like uh, I don't know I mean, I'm, I'm looking at like like if i I'd rather play fournette if I had the choice between like the two maybe I play them together in GPP but I think we may see more of an ownership discount and I think the main question I mean you're the football guy i'm not i'd I could barely. If it's in Techmo Bowl, I know those plays. <laughs> uh, do you think in this matchup against the Bengals that he has higher upside, even in the receiving game? Because I'm to me, Gurley's upside comes from catching passes and then also getting the red zone work. Do you think this is? Do you think the Rams just blow him out to the point in which they don't need to to basically pass to him at all?
3: I mean, we were just talking about the possibility of Andy Dalton passing to keep up. So I, I, I don't think they're gonna. I don't, I don't think this defense is what it used to be. I think the Bengals are going to put up enough points to keep the Rams trying. They're not going to stay in the game. I wouldn't be surprised if the Rams cover, but it's not going to be an absolute wipe the floor, run away with the game. So yes, I think they're going to be enough for, for Gurley to to stay up in this game.
2: Okay, in in this range, which I still consider the stud range, uh. What do you, what would you do in the, with the status of Alvin Kamara at seventy six hundred on DraftKings if he's active? If he's active, I'm probably I, I don't
3: think I'll have much taste of Alvin Kamara no matter what happens this week. You know, if he's out, obviously not. If he's active, I just can't see him being one hundred percent, and I, I don't I don't like hitching my wagon to a banged up guy. That got me with David Johnson in my season long league last week, and I don't want to go that route. So uh, yes, you're, you're, it's, a, it's a contrarian. It's a nice pivot, but I don't want to have to to be relying on a guy who's hurt in my
2: game. Do you think that? Do you think with the Latavius Murray's performance last week, and most people don't realize that he can catch balls out of the backfield, even though the Vikings never really utilized him for that. Do you think that maybe even if Kamara is, you know, ninety percent, that they lessen his load because, like, they don't they don't mind Murray, especially against the Cardinals.
3: I, I like Murray I, I've written him up As, as something on, on PFF That's coming out tomorrow I, I have no problem Using Murray No matter what happens With Kamara this week I, Obviously if Kamara's there His upside's gonna drop A little bit But regardless He's gonna be An interesting play
2: I think the safer play In that range Maybe m- maybe more of a cash play Carson Against the Falcons Absolutely uh, I mean If if the if Seattle's gonna be up In this game I mean, I mean Pete Carroll's just gonna I mean Don't we expect him To just run Carson 25 times this game
3: yeah, I think Carson's going to have a huge workload. You know, Rashad Penny's essentially out of that offense now, so Carson's going to have a Christian mccaffrey S workload compared to compared to what he has had. So, I yes, he's going to he's going to feast.
2: Uh, two more guys in this range that, that I wanted to bring up. Uh, one because of his pass catching work, which helps on PPR sites. Uh, in bet- if if Carson's going to run twenty five times and maybe not even catch a ball, uh, Le'Veon Bell. Against the Jaguars, uh, may r- not run as much, but may catch eight balls. So, like, uh, I know that, uh, I mean, we're looking at Fournette on the other side of the game, but do you think that Bell, if the Jets could, you know, obviously keep up, do we see this game being a battle of the two running backs, and it ends up being low scoring because the clock is running the whole time?
3: I mean, you saw me earlier say that I'm picking the over in this game, so I'm not going to say that. Uh, I don't think you're ever going to be wrong having a few shares of Levy on Bell because of the massive workload, but he's not one I'm going to be on heavily this week.
2: The, the last situation is the the one that tilted everyone from last week what do we do when David Johnson is active Jace Edmonds is only 200 cheaper than him like uh do, do we just avoid this against the Saints regardless
3: I mean the good news is I don't think we have to worry about it I really don't think Johnson's going to be active especially not if they went out and got uh Alfred Morris and Zach Zinner this week but yes if he's active I'm just hands off no please don't if, if he if he's out Edmonds sure I'm gonna have some shares of him but against the Saints it's not a it's not an appealing match I'm not going to be excited about it I think this is a nice stay away It's just It's an easy one to cross off your list And not have to worry about it
2: Right It's great that they didn't make Chase Edmonds like 4,700 Like last week Right we had to possibly make that decision Exactly So in the value range Who sticks out to you?
3: Uh, this is a, a deep dive, and it's going to be more for, for cash games than tournaments. But Daria Gumbawale is an interesting player this week. He's only 3,200. He's a <laughs> nice face. He's their clear pass catching back. And Tennessee has been good against running backs overall, but that's been mostly on the ground. They've allowed the second-most targets, second-most receptions, and the third-most receiving yards to running backs this year. So I can see a Gumbawale having a nice little performance.
2: I, I typically don't like playing guys that I can't pronounce their names. <laughs> like, I, I have a rule said- about that.
3: Yeah, you can practice. You'll be able to learn it by Sunday.
2: Oh, I I, I don't think I'll have enough shares that it's worth me practice. <laughs> <laughs> so so in in this range, I know uh, Josh Jacobs had a good week last week. Did I mean? I, do we do we see a, a performance where I mean I'm always concerned with Jacobs' role in the passing game, uh, thinking that that I mean this has a high total, but I mean I expect the Texans to be out in front. Do you think Jacobs has uh, enough of a enough of a floor, even at fifty eight hundred, to be worth considering?
3: This week's not going well for him. We have Tyrell Williams apparently back in practice. He might be back. We have uh, Zay Jones may making his debut. And now, it came out today, Gruden saying that Jacobs isn't even guaranteed to play in this game. He's on the injury report. We're talking about he may not be healthy to play. I just, I think. You know, it's it's Wednesday now. We'll see what happens come Sunday. But there's too many, especially with what you said, no, no passing involvement. It's too risky for me right now.
2: How about uh, what do you think? What what do you think the risk is that Devonta Freeman tries to punch someone in this game against
3: Seattle? <laughs> I hope he's learned that lesson. <laughs> of all the people to try to punch, man, I don't even know how that gets in your mind.
2: Well, I mean, I, I like his situation as far as like a, you know a negative game script where uh, Seattle will be up most likely and the Falcons will have to throw. And do you consider Freeman's value to be a little bit more if Schaub's at quarterback and they're less likely to push the ball down the field and more likely to uh, screen and dump the ball off?
3: I mean, I think that's a chance of happening, no matter if it's Schaub or if it's a hobbled Ryan. So I think I think Freeman, I think even Austin Hooper's a little interesting for those reasons. But I still think they're they're at risk of being dominated in this game. And, you yeah, know, we've seen – this is going back in the history. We've seen Schaub's teams have games where they just stop having any points early on because Schaub is having his Schaub times. So I, I, I probably won't have much Freeman.
2: Well, I buried the lead on this segment. Uh, it's going to be the talk of the week, I'm, I'm assuming, at running back at the value end. Uh, with uh, on Johnson now on the IR, uh, step up Ty Johnson, 4,900 on DraftKings. Uh, what do you think the, the, the prognosis on – How he's going to be used Because I think that a matchup Against the Giants at 4900 is Is just positive for that price Especially But uh, do you you think You're going to see McKissick Take the third down roll Do you think Ty Johnson will see I mean we've seen that on Johnson Even though he can catch passes They're not even utilizing him for that Are we going to see Ty Johnson uh, Get more opportunity That on didn't (laughs)
3: <laughs> we coming into this for for weeks. We've been talking about how Ty Johnson is was going to be this this pass catching back. Nobody has ever talked about him as this workload workhorse kind of guy like on Johnson was. So now that on Johnson's hurt, suddenly we have to talk about him this way. I just I don't want any part of this right now. It would not surprise me if Paul Perkins has the most carries in the Lions this week. I, I I'm just not touching it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm going to miss out on a golden opportunity, but I don't want it.
2: So, so essentially, that uh, you think that the the timeshare at running back is much more up in the air than people think. I do, I do. I don't, I don't trust either any of these guys to have a huge work. So, would you consider Ty Johnson to be your dud, or are there other duds in this player pool?
3: Well, uh, I mean, I think the obvious dud, but one I feel like I need to mention is Nick Chubb going up against the Patriots. I don't, you don't want to put any money on that if you don't have to. The other one I, I, I'm a little scared of is Philip Lindsay. Um, the first three weeks of the year of the season, Lindsey played ten more snaps than Royce Freeman across those games. Since week four, Royce Freeman's played 145 snaps, Lindsey's only played hundred eight. His workload is shrinking. His fantasy production has stayed high because of the touchdowns, and we know touchdowns are unreliable. And of of the uh, top twenty PPR backs so far this year, Lindsay and Sony Michelle are the only two have played under fifty percent of their team's offensive snaps. So I just I want a guy who has more of a workload than that.
2: Between the two, if you had to choose, would you choose Lindsay over Freeman at least,
3: probably. But uh, Freeman's been working more. I don't know. I I hadn't I haven't thought about that a lot. I, my guess is I wouldn't use either one of them, but I I think I would probably go Freeman. Eh, I don't know. I, I've I've said both ways now.
2: Okay. Before we get into to wide receiver, uh, just to, to make sure everyone knows that in conjunction with our friends at Vegas Insider, we got a contest ten thousand in total prizes, including weekly and seasonal app seasonal prizes five thousand to the winner you can download the free sharp side app in ios or android to make picks on the nfl lines and totals play as many or as few as you want but whoever has the most positive unit wins the contest all for free so go to the sharp side app and start swiping your bets uh so do we want to take a look at us scott barrett's piece this week yeah, we always talk about it a little bit. Scott does his piece every Wednesday on PFF. It's for, for subscribers.
3: It's called his expected fantasy points. He goes through the last 10 years of data to find you know every play has a value. This you know this play produces this many fantasy points. This play produces this many, et cetera. And he, it's, it's an absolute must-read. A couple of interesting points I thought he pulled from this week. Uh, Julian Edelman, he's the number one receiver in expected fantasy points across the last three weeks. And he's number three over the last five weeks. That's despite missing a half due to injury. That's despite ridiculously past unfriendly game scripts. I th- he, he, Scott says this: Edelman is an absolute breakout candidate every week. The way things are going.
2: So uh, talking about wide receivers, would I mean the stud wide receivers? We got Edelman there, but uh, obviously he's a big favorite against the Browns. It uh, hasn't mattered. It ha- you're right. It ha- actually it has not mattered whatsoever. Uh, but would you rank him above uh, someone like uh, DeAndre Hopkins or Michael Thomas or uh, I mean Cooper Cup?
3: I don't know if I can go that high. I think I mean I think those are probably my top three receivers this week. So he's gonna be fourth or fifth just behind that. But he's right in that tier.
2: So who'd you consider to be the top stud? If you're gonna pay up at wide receiver this week, who would you who would you choose amongst these guys?
3: If I'm gonna pay up all the way, I'm going to DeAndre Hopkins. Um we've seen in the games when Will Fuller's been active the last two years, his target share has been twenty-nine percent. When Fuller's been out, it's been thirty-three percent. Not a huge difference, but enough to matter. We saw Fuller went out last week. Hopkins had his second best game of the season. First touchdown since week one. I think Hopkins is due to, to go on a run now. Fuller out for who knows how long.
2: Do we have any concerns about Cooper Cup? Because, I mean, he's getting the targets, especially the first couple of weeks, and uh, people have played him. He's been very popular the past two weeks. Uh, I mean, Cincinnati's a cakewalk matchup, both in, both running and passing. Uh, I know you're, that you're high on Gurley this week, but uh, what do you think the prognosis is for, for the Rams' wide receivers?
3: I, I'm, I'm, I guess I would consider me a Jared Goff hater. I just never trust him week-to-week basis to do these things. I, I, if you're going to take a receiver, it's Cup, and I have no problem with Cup. He's, he's ranked high in mine, but I'm terrified of him, which I don't know if that's fair. I don't know if that's right, but it's, it, it, I, I've been on the last two weeks, and it's hurt me. So I, I'm scared of him, which is not analytical, and it's not smart, but it's just the way I feel.
2: Well, also up in this range, we got, uh, you know, a game that could, you know, 53 total, Seattle. Uh, do you think the thing that uh, I, I rarely play Tyler Lockett because it always feels like he's so expensive for the amount of targets that he gets, but do you think against this Falcon secondary that, like, he could he could break the slate on three passes, right? I mean, like, he could have a 3-142 type of game, uh, but do you, do you think that the game script's going to warrant – those types of throws down the field. I was with you up until you said the two. Tyler Lockett has not scored
3: two touchdowns in a game since his rookie year back in 2014, 15, whatever it was. He has the most one score touchdown. What's one score games in or second most one score games in a season all time? He set last year, and he's doing it again this year. I don't. I, the guy seems allergic to a second touchdown. So I think I think for cash games, he's fantastic. But he's never shown this upside for tournaments.
2: Well, especially at seven thousand. I mean, I te- typically like them in the five k range. Right. Uh, in this range right here, I mean, we talked about uh, you know the Tennessee game, the Tampa game. You know, if they're going to be passing the ball more, uh, I think more people are going to lean towards Chris Godwin in this game. But for five hundred less, we got Mike Evans com- coming off. You know, where is he? Uh, but we also have seen this season that like one of them will have a big game while the other one doesn't. Uh, if you had to choose between the two, which one would you go with?
3: Oh, it's Evans for me this week, easy. Uh, Godwin has more uh, almost three fifths of his uh, targets have come out of the slot this year, and Tennessee's actually pretty good against the slot. They they, uh, they have sixth fewest passing passing points per game allowed to slot receivers, but I think it's tenth most to outside wide receivers. Uh, give me Evans even if their price was the same. You give me a discount, it's even better.
2: Well, three, three wide receivers. I wanted to point out just in the in the mid range, which could be considered studs, depending if you're trying to jam in high price running backs. Uh, do you think that Kenny Galladay is only going to get two targets? in a game where they have to throw 40 times. I, I
3: am absolutely just wiping last week's game off of Kenny Galladay's resume, treating him just like I was coming into that game, and I'm all in on him this week. He's still second league in end zone targets, still third in red zone targets. He was the number 11 receiver in points for game coming into last week. Last week was abysmal. It's it's awful. We're always going to hate it forever, and I don't care that it happened.
2: I'm all in. Well, last week, T.Y. Hilton was like 36% in the millimaker at 5,900. He only got raised two hundred. He had an okay. He had eighteen points. He got a touchdown. I mean, it wasn't a slate-breaking type of thing for his ownership, but with his price raised to over two hundred, only two hundred, going against what may even be a better matchup against the Broncos. uh, You know, do we go right back to the well with him? I'm a little
3: nervous about him this week. We've seen the Broncos uh, shut down number one receivers since week one. Uh, Keenan Allen. Was it Keenan Allen, DJ Chark, um, Allen Robinson, and Julio Jones? The four number one receivers they've played in the last month have averaged 40 yards against them. Chris Harris has been doing a lot more moving around the field. So I I think I'm going to have some taste of Hilton, but I'm not going to be all in by any means because I'm afraid he's going to get shut down like that. And that will leave open the Pascal
2: or the tight ends or whatever to do more stuff. Well, you you mentioned another guy right 100, 100 lower than him. Do you think that if he was on a different team, Allen Robinson would be an $88,000 wide receiver?
3: Allen Robinson is so damn good. I, I, everyone's saying it, so I'm not having any, any great insights here, but we are we ever going to see him with a good quarterback? It's so depressing. But, yes, it, it, I mean, even with Mitch Trubisky, I think Allen robinson a guy to have a taste of every week. He's so good. Couldn't he have actually had Patrick Mahomes as his quarterback? Oh, that would have been nice. Or or Deshaun Watson, who cares?
2: Or anyone else other than Trubisky. (laughs) So in the value range, who stands out to you uh, as a as a good play for the price, either floor wise or ceiling wise.
3: Well, I mentioned him earlier in the show, but I like John Brown this week. Don't need to go back into why, you know, Philadelphia, all that. Other one I like is DK Metcalf. Um, you talked about Lockett. I think Metcalf is a much, much bigger chance to have the, the 3 40-2 type game than, than Lockett is. He just said his season high in targets in the first game without Will Disley. So I think he's going to get some of Will Disley's targets. And you probably don't know this. Maybe you don't, the, the listeners probably don't know, know this. DK Metcalf actually leads the league in end zone targets so far this year. That is for a rookie uh, touchdowns are going to be coming. He's going to be fine. I'll I, I have a lot of Metcalf this week.
2: Well, I think there's three main situations in this, in this value range that we have to, to that, that have changed a little that I think may affect uh, your who to play. Uh, with A.J. Green not coming back this week, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming he won't be back this week, uh, the Bengals wide receivers have actually been priced down even more than they were last week, and I thought they were good plays last week. Uh, if you think Dalton's going to be having to throw the ball just as much as he did, I mean, Tyler Boyd had 14 targets last week and only five catches. I mean, Erickson came out of nowhere playing all these snaps and getting all – I mean, they had to throw the ball. Tate really didn't do much. Uh do you think that we just we, that we don't worry about the results from last week when it comes to Boyd? Or do you think we jump on board Alex Erickson? I mean,
3: I I think the way I'd rank him this week is the way I'd rank him last week. Boyd, then Tate, then Erickson. Now, Erickson's obviously going to be closer to those than I had before. But it, until we see Erickson do this more than once, there's just no reason to think this is going to be the new normal. Boyd is still the, the lead dog there at least until green comes back and maybe after that, I think, I think a healthy share of green of boy this week makes some sense.
2: Another similar situation, uh, with, uh, Emmanuel Sanders now gone. Uh, does that make Cortland Sutton to be much more valuable than 5,300 this week on DraftKings? And in addition, what do you think Deshaun Hamilton's role going to be now? And he's only 3,300, uh, Like, does he become a viable play at at that near-minimum price?
3: I mean, there's no issue taking a taste there, but he's not done anything. It's not like Sanders is getting that many targets. It's still Joe Flacco at quarterback. I think this is going to be a spread the ball out, and you're not going to see any one guy have a huge impact with Sanders gone.
2: I think the last situation that's going to be popular this week, I mean, you mentioned DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, with uh, the the target share that he gets with uh, Fuller out, is, is, is bigger uh, But I think people are going to uh, Gravitate towards 4,700 For Kenny Stills uh, I mean if they're going to play Two tight end sets like how do you think That uh, especially against this Raiders uh, Defense Like do you think that they're going to Go back to Do you think they're going to go back to three wide receivers Do you think Stills and QT play together Do you think it's going to be more you know Two tight end sets I mean how do you think this This plays out this week that you should focus on the secondary wide receivers or the tight ends, or you'd seem like the type of person from the, from before that you're just like all in on Hopkins and don't worry about anyone. I mean,
3: I think, I think that's probably the best answer because I think once you get past Hopkins, it's guessing. Uh, if I had to guess, I would say we're going to see a lot of Fels and Aikens run the two tight end sets and we're going to see a fair amount of stills. That said, he only had five targets last week. Yes. He caught four of them for 105 yards, but you want a guy who's getting more than five targets in a week. And, Maybe that goes up now that they can game plan for him. But for the most part, I think the the best and safest thing is just say Hopkins and ignore the rest of it.
2: Well, two other situations I want to take a look at. Uh, We mentioned before, if if you like Tannehill, I mean, you got Corey Davis, you got AJ Brown, you got Adam Humphreys, Adam Uh, Humphreys revenge game. Absolutely. (laughs) There you go. And they're, they're all cheap. I mean, on DraftKings, it's forty four hundred, forty one hundred, thirty nine hundred. Uh, I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna stack Tannehill with two receivers, uh, which two would you prioritize?
3: I mean, I think it's got to be Davis and Brown. I made the Humphreys joke, but he's never going to be a guy that had you know. We talk about the the three one forty and two. Adam Humphreys could play a hundred years; he will never put up that line. That's just not the kind of receiver he is. Brown could have two receptions at one hundred fifteen yards without even trying that hard. So. I- I think a tannehill davis Brown stack is not going to be very popular, but it's going to be an interesting play.
2: Last thing, what happens if uh, Christian Kirk is back this week? Uh, uh, 4,700. Everyone since the beginning of the year has talked about the Cardinals, talked about the pace, talked about the passing attempts, and I don't think there was a single week this year so far that if you didn't play a Cardinals wide receiver, you were better off. So, like, with Christian Kirk coming back at 4,700 – on DraftKings, like, do we care?
3: Larry Fitzgerald's been burning me. Like He had those two huge first two weeks, and I've been rec- recommending him every week since because it's made sense. He's had the right matchups. Kirk's been out; everything has been set up for him, and he hasn't done it. He's averaging fifty yards the last month. I no, I, I don't care about Christian Kirk coming back. I, I, I the, the Cardinals have
2: frustrated me in a lot of ways, and I'm just I'm I'm fine avoiding that team right now. Uh, I didn't look at your notes before the show. But would you consider the biggest dud this week, regardless of who starts, to be Julio Jones at 7,700?
3: Well, if you didn't look at my notes, good job, because he... (laughs) He and Godwin are my two duds. I talked about Godwin. I don't think he's a huge dud, but I don't want to spend up on him. Julio Jones terrifies me right now. You know, we saw weeks one through three. He was huge. He was the number two receiver. He had eight red zone targets, three end zone targets. He was going all over the field. The last the last four weeks, he's only received receiver nineteen. Not terrible, but not what you're paying for. He has not seen a target in the red zone, and of course, not in the end zone in a month. If you're not throwing, if you're not getting the ball down there, his his yards per route run are down to two point one three, which is his lowest since two thousand twelve. I have no interest in Julio Jones this week, which
2: I hate saying because he's one of my favorite players. But no, I'm not touching him. Right. If if, if he hasn't gotten a red zone look since the last time you change your filter in your dryer, that's probably not a good fantasy. <laughs> Seriously. So a t- tight end. I know I joked about it before the show because I've been. I. It's one of those things that I like. I knew the band before they were popular. Uh, types of things. Uh, is everyone just getting on board with who I've been playing like every week with no problem and Darren Waller at tight end? I
3: see. I, I, I was actually anti-Waller coming into last week because for all the guy had done well, he hadn't scored a touchdown. Yes, you can say that's luck and bad luck, but he hadn't seen any end zone targets. He, he wasn't getting in position to score the touchdowns. I will totally cop to being wildly wrong on that. So I, Yes, people are going to be pouncing on Waller now, and I find him more interesting than I did before, but I'm still going to be one of the low men on him.
2: Uh, so who would you consider the, the stud tight end that, that you'd pay up for this week? Feels
3: feel silly to say after all the dogging I've done to that offense this week, but I like Austin Hooper. I think if Ryan plays, he's not going to be able to, to give the guys time to get open deep, so he's going to be leaning on his dump-off guy in Hooper. And if Shaw plays... Take it for what it's worth because Schaub hasn't been a regular player in a long time, but he has a career 105.0 passer rating to tight ends. His his passer rating to wide receivers is only, I think, 89. So it's, I don't know how much that's worth. It may be worth nothing, but I love Austin Hooper this week.
2: How about uh, in in the game that you, you would expect that Detroit to be up? I mean, people played him last week against Arizona and, uh, you know, got injured, didn't do very well, but do you think Evan Ingram's in a good spot against the Lions?
3: It's a fine spot. I'm not going to have a big share of him, but I don't have a problem if somebody does. I, I want to see him healthy again before I'm going to buy all the way back in. That's part of the reason I was in on Barkley this week.
2: And then in that range also, uh, is Zach Ertz dust? He's not dust. I mean, the thing
3: is, he's still leading the league in tight end targets. He's, he's having a fine year, but he's he's got six uh, what is it, Six targets a game less than he was averaging this time last year. Eight targets a game for a tight end is good. 14.1 tight ends targets a game for a tight end is amazing. And the, the there were the big three tight ends last year, Kittle, Kelsey, and Ertz. Kittle and Kelsey were quality. They had the quantity, but they were quality guys. Ertz was all about the quantity. His PFF grade was 15 points lower than those guys. His points per target was lower. Every he, he needed the, the quantity to get the points, and he's not getting ridiculous quantity. He's getting good quantity, so I think he's going to be a fine back of the top ten, back of the top six or seven tight ends. Uh, he doesn't have that number one upside like he did last year.
2: So in the value range of tight end, because a lot of people like paying down there, uh, who would you consider to be uh, one of your top plays in, in that in that range?
3: Uh, I tell you one that I don't think a lot of people are going to be on, and I keep going back to this game, Johnny Smith. Um, I, I don't think Delaney Walker is going to play this week, which makes you know Smith's going to have the number one role there. He, he just set a career high in yards last week with 64. The, the Tampa Bay has allowed the second most points per game, two tight ends. They, he, have the, he has a tight end coach as an offensive coordinator. I can see him, if we don't go with the tannehill Davis, and brown stack, and we go one receiver and bring it back with the tight end, I, I like Johnny Smith.
2: What do you think the the prognosis is uh, if, if the Rams are going to put up points? We've seen him get targets like seven, eight, ten. Uh, I mean, Gerald Everett at four thousand three hundred. Like, if I just looked at the game log, wouldn't I look and go, like, how do I not turn this target share? Also a good one.
3: Uh, he's we talked about Scott's expected fantasy points piece earlier. Over the last uh, four weeks, he's third among tight ends in expected fantasy points per game, behind only Kelsey and Mark Andrews. So
2: you you love his workload. I don't see any reason not to use him. And then we also have Hunter Henry. I mean, if he's going to line up in the slot a, a lot of the time, like should we really be treating him as like a forty nine hundred dollar wide receiver that is eligible at tight end? And I know the Bears are supposedly. <laughs> a bad matchup. Uh, do you think people are gonna shy away from him, uh, even though, like uh, according to Cardi, he's one of the best plays at tight end? Uh,
3: the next time Hunter Henry has a bad week, you you know use him every week when he has a bad week, just chalk it up to a loss. he's He's been great. I yes, use him happy times.
2: and then i I, I, I have to mention this guy. I don't know if I'm gonna have any. Uh, but it's the flowchart. Even though it didn't, even though it hasn't worked out twice this year, people forget about the Tyler Eifert week where it didn't work. Uh, tight ends versus Cardinals, even though. It statistically makes no sense. Uh, Jared Cook at 4,000.
3: I, I made this point to Britt. Is the last week or the week before in the show? I don't think Cardinals can't stop tight ends is a real thing. It's, it has happened. I don't think it's a, it's a symptom. And even if it is, you can just change your strategy a little and not get burned that way. It will end. But regardless, I'm happy to use the guys against them and just take the L when it misses. You know, if, if – if you if Cook's back this week, we don't even know for sure if he's it, But assuming Cook's back this week, I'll use him. If he fails, then we have two weeks in a row. We'll talk about it. But you're not going to have you're you're not going to be wrong tossing it out there and seeing what
2: happens. Right. I, I hope he doesn't have a, I hope he doesn't have a good day. So I don't see the the flow chart works <laughs> all over the place. So who would you consider uh, uh, for their price to be maybe the biggest dud? At the well, we talk.
3: Arts is my pick for the biggest one this week. I, I oh, mean, so I think he is
2: dust. Oh, so he is dust.
3: I think he'll have a fine game. I think he'll be okay. I don't think he'll be worth it. The other one I, I, I'm scared of is TJ Hawkinson. So people are still looking back at that week against Arizona and considering investing in him, he's still the big name. But, man, he hasn't topped 32 yards since that game. He's 48% of his PPR points this season came in week one. The guy has been tight end 25 since week one. No, don't touch him.
2: My 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 dut of the week is that I can't possibly see paying all the way up For George Kittle I know, yes, he could put up a humongous game But in this 49ers offense Like, it feels like they're playing Like, it feels like they're playing people from the stands Like, I don't know What's going to happen? They're going to run four running backs, seventeen wide receivers. Now Kittle will have the biggest share of that. It just it feels like I'm going to I'm going to someone's birthday party. I don't even know who half the kids. Are. Absolutely,
3: and you know, and, and with Kyle, you should check out. He's going to be blocking more. I just, Kittle Kittle is is great. He's going to have the biggest share, like you say, and he'll probably have a few plays. But I'm not sure he's going to have the uh, the value he did last year, at least for a few weeks now
2: so overall from from a from a full you know, eight thousand picture you know foot view uh your approach uh from a DFS perspective and also like uh, you know the what would you expect uh, as far as uh, the slate turns out to be it, I, honestly, this is
3: a weird slate. I, I write, I write uh, uh, at least one piece every day on PFF. So I, I, I take a look at these at these slates in these weeks from every possible angle, and I don't feel like I have a good grip on the slate this week. I feel like you're going to be going you – know, the, the games that we expect to be high scoring, Seattle, Atlanta, I can pick out some things against that. Seattle's going to Seattle's run the ball a lot. Atlanta might as well not be a team anymore. So I don't feel like I have a good grip on the slate this week, except I love DeAndre Hopkins. And I love Austin Hooper. And I feel like I shouldn't love Austin Hooper, so it feels dirty to say. But those are the two guys I'm going to be, I'm going to be feeling a lot this week.
2: Right. And my, my typical response to what I think is going is to happen is, I don't know, but I'm going to play the guys that you're not going to play. Good answer. That's exactly what I do. So where can people find you over at Pro Football Focus?
3: Uh, PFF.com. I'm, I've, I've, I literally have at least one piece there every day of the week. Some days two, some days three. I'm on Twitter
2: at Daniel T. Kelly. Yeah, and then now you follow me. We follow each other now. <laughs> I'm at Blender Ed, Blender HD on Twitter. Yeah, I'm, always, I'm always in the Roto Grinders Discord. So I, I know it's NBA season and I'm dealing with stupid questions there, but I'm also in the NFL channel for your stupid questions there as well. So feel free to catch me there. And uh, for, for Daniel Kelly, I'm Jordan Cooper. And uh, since Britt isn't here with the hemorrhoids, I'll have to end the show the way that he normally does, even though I don't understand what it means. We out, yo. <laughs>